Hi everybody, this is Devan Molyneux from Freedom Main Radio. This is an explanatory video. It's, um, I guess you could say, a bit of a Halloween video in that if you're not terrified at the end of this video, I and reality have not been doing their jobs. It explains why I have a preference for Donald Trump over, say, Hillary Clinton. It explains why you should take a real interest in this and the millions of lives that hang in the balance, this is the truth about Hillary Clinton's war with Russia. Now, although the media, of course, is putting forward gripping soap opera narratives of 30-year-old fantasies of 15-minute airplane gropings, I think it might be a little okay to take your head out of uh, the media's ass and have a look at a few of these recent fairly important facts. One might be that U.S. Vice President Joe Biden has threatened an act of war against a highly nuclear-armed Russia, as has Hillary Clinton, which we'll get to in a moment. The act of war is the threat of cyber warfare against the Russian government. Joe Biden claims that it's covert, uh, although I'm not sure what he thinks the word covert means. I'm pretty sure it doesn't mean announcing it on national television, but uh, he also thinks that it would be through the CIA, though it would be through the NSA, but I get it. It's a quite an alphabet soup of confusion uh, for the elderly. You see, Obama's administration believes that Russia, the Russian government, is behind the WikiLeaks dump, you know, this daily dump of Democrat emails that are embarrassing to the uh, ruling party. So, when uh, VP Joe Biden was expounding upon all of this in an interview with Chuck Todd, Chuck Todd not actually asking a single question about the proof that the Obama administration might have about whether the Russian government was behind these uh, these hacks. Um, he just says, well, why haven't we sent a message yet to Putin? Good job, media. Way to fight war. I can see that you've really learned a lot from Iraq in 2003. Yep, just get right behind and put your jetpack behind the bloodlust of the insane. I just wish we weren't being dragged along with you. Biden responded, we're sending a message. We have the capacity to do it, and we'll, it will be at the time of our choosing and under the circumstances that will have the greatest impact. When Todd asked if the public will know a message was sent, Biden replied, hope not. Okay, Joe, if you hope that the public won't know something, again, reporting it on national television. Well, what's the point? You can't teach an old dog any tricks, apparently. No evidence, of course, has been provided that the Russian government is behind... What are called hacks? You see, when um, uh, when it's embarrassing to Republicans, the uh, leftist media calls it uh, a whistleblowing or a leak. Uh, when it's embarrassing to the Democrats, it's a hack and an act of war. You get that? Even though it wasn't a hack, apparently these uh, emails were all surrendered voluntarily. There was no hack. I mean, someone turned it over. The Russians are taking these threats very, very seriously. See, this is coming from the vice president. Uh, this is not just some guy who's cleaning up the White House, muttering to himself. Uh, these uh, threats are being taken very seriously. Quote, The threats directed against Moscow and our state's leadership are unprecedented because they are voiced at the level of the U.S. vice president. To the backdrop of this aggressive, unpredictable line, we must take measures to protect our interests, to hedge risks, a Kremlin spokesman said, according to RIA Novosti News Agency. And, uh, you know, the uh, U.S. Uh, infrastructure, fairly susceptible to hacking. This might not be a fight the U.S. wants to get into, uh, even from a practical standpoint. And also, um, 
Russian television, um, full disclosure, I've been on a few times, though not for a while, uh, uh, Russian television RT uh, has had its accounts frozen in, uh, in, uh, in England, uh, which makes it kind of difficult to bring, uh, I guess, um, news to the British people or to the world that is not quite a regurgitation of uh, pro-Democrat, warmongering leftist viewpoints that are coming from the mainstream media. Margarita Simonian, editor-in-chief of RT, uh, tweeted or wrote on social media, long live freedom of speech, uh, winter-chilled Russian sarcasm. Uh, it goes great with vodka. Russian Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Maria Zakorva said it looked like Britain had abandoned its principles. Um, the Prime Minister, Theresa May, spokeswoman, told reporters, it's a matter for the bank, and it's for them to decide who they offer services to based on their own risk appetite. So uh, apparently, um, allowing Chinese money laundering billionaires to snap up real estate in London, no problem. But Russian media outlets, whew, that's kind of risky. Now, um, NatWest, the bank, uh, kind of technically a ward of the state, uh, and uh, any decision that they might make, especially one with these massive political implications, almost certainly had the preclearance of the government. So things are stepping up. Ah, but we've only scratched the surface of this deep, festering, hopefully non-radioactive wound. Because i got to tell you, last time I went through radiation, it damn near killed me. So, now broadcast of Russia Today's bank accounts in Britain are frozen. And what are the Russians doing? Well, of course, you live inside the biosphere. This is why, you know, my hostility towards Hillary Clinton can seem a little bit inconceivable to some who are living inside the uh, blank-faced obsidian biosphere of inward-reflecting mainstream media, you know, the cheering squad for the blood-soaked imperialists currently bombing seven countries around the world. That would be America, by the way. So the potential war with the U.S. is the number one topic in Russian media. Here are some... Headlines. Bad news for Washington. Syrian conflict revealing new world order. U.S. anti-Russia rhetoric goes nuclear with threats of covert cyber attacks. Who can win World War III if it can be won at all? In contrast to Clinton, Trump has no appetite for war with Russia. Huh. Seems important. Um, You know, let's just put out two little hands here, right? On the one hand... Did he bump a woman at a Ray Charles concert that never happened over a decade ago? Oh, well, let's do two. Or uh, was a hand that touched a woman's leg and vagina in a crowded nightclub 20 years ago, did it belong to him? Let's put those two together. In contrast to Clinton, say the Russian media, Trump has no appetite for war with Russia. Which do you think the mainstream media should be focusing on? God, I hate these people! They literally could be the death of us all. See, all of these topics are occurring in Russia because, you see, Russia, remember, has no free press. It's, it's just a, it's a terrible dictatorship. <sighs> One Russian television network recently instructed their viewers to be sure to locate the nearest bomb shelter in case of a nuclear war between the U.S. and Russia. Putin has reportedly told his officials to fly their relatives who are living abroad back to Russia immediately. The Daily Star reports local media saying that Mr. Putin wants Russian officials and politicians to return to the fatherland. Now, this call extends to elderly relatives overseas and children, even if they are in the middle of the school year. Putin is telling his officials, get them back home now. Does that seem important? Hey, 
I wonder if Melania Trump wore a dress made by someone and it's a similar name to the colloquial name for a cat. <laughs> it's really important to stay informed of these things, don't you think? What else is going on in Russia? Well, 40 million Russian civilians, 200,000 emergency rescuers, and 50,000 units of equipment were involved in a recent war game, which ran from October 4th to October 7th, 2016. You know, it's kind of like how in Germany the government is telling its people to be prepared with emergency food and rations and water just in case something happens. See, all of this little flashes of reality occurring outside the biodome of inward-reflecting imperialist, lying, false, world-ending media in America. All of these flashes occurring outside. I'm just trying to bring them to you so that uh, you, you have some facts that are important. Russia has reportedly built enough nuclear bunkers to house Moscow's 12 million residents. The governor of St. Petersburg has approved a plan to ensure emergency rations of 300 grams of bread for 20 days for each of the city's 5 million residents. I think you can imagine why. Russian political analyst Stanislaw Belkovsky reported to the Daily Star that all these preparations were part of a package of measures designed to prepare elites for some big war. According to strategic forecasting and global intelligence company Stafor, Russia is reportedly considering restoring its Soviet-era bases in Egypt, Vietnam, and Cuba. Life is a circle. Everything old is new again, and we are back to where we started. They quote, When locked in a multi-theater confrontation with the United States, what better way for the Russian bear to trample the U.S. security umbrella than with a growing military footprint? Recently, Russian Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Maria Zakharova warned that the U.S. is pursuing a, quote, dangerous scorched-earth policy in the final months of Obama's presidency. She said, Nobody should harbor the illusion that you can pressure Russia, neither the current American authorities nor those who will replace them, she said, though perhaps not quite as in husky a baritone as that. Now, Putin is begging the Western media to report the truth, and we'll put a link to this video as to the sources in general below. He said, we know year by year what's going to happen. And they know that we know. It's only you that they tell tall tales to. And you buy it and spread it to the citizens of your countries. You people in turn do not feel a sense of the impending danger. This is what worries me. How do you not understand that the world is being pulled in an irreversible direction? While they pretend that nothing is going on, I don't know how to get through to you anymore. Also, he said, first there was Bush Sr. in power, then Bush Jr. Bill Clinton was a U.S. president two times in a row. Now his wife has ambitions. Again, the family might stay in power, as they say in Russia, a husband and a wife of the same Satan. <laughs> Old Russian joke from the Cold War. Foreigner visits Russia, asks a Russian child, what do you want to be when you grow up? Child says, a foreigner. I, I don't think that joke is as true anymore as it was back in the day. Russia, uh, sorry, Putin has ordered the aerospace defense forces to speed up the deployment of two or more missile attack early warning system satellites. He has instructed his military leaders to prepare for imminent war if Hillary is elected, according to ETF. I'm going to say that again. Please, please understand the stakes of what is going on here. 
He has instructed his military leaders to prepare for imminent war if Hillary is elected, according to ETF. Why? Is, is, is he crazy? Well... Barack Obama has already terrorized Romania and Russia with his new missile system. Have you have you read about read about this? Well, the New York Times, I'm surprised as you are, the New York Times has reported that the placing of these missiles increases the risk of nuclear war and directly threatens Russia. Although Obama claims that they're aimed at Iran, see, Obama says it's okay because you see they're aimed at the nuclear threat of Iran. To which Putin says, didn't you all just negotiate something that makes sure that Iran doesn't have nuclear capacities? So aren't you just lying <laughs> somewhere in the mouth hole between your jug ears? And uh, Obama says, I'm sorry, I, 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 I got to go tee up. I got no, no time for this. Let me sing my way out. And uh, this is similar to uh, the 1962 Cuban Missile Crisis, where Russia wanted to place missiles in Cuba, which was very close to the contiguous United States. And um, JFK, of course, went mental, ended up pulling a bunch of uh, missiles from Turkey in response. But anyway, yeah, if you put a missile system right around a country you're threatening, they're going to get a little jumpy. It's not that hard to imagine. According to Russian officials, the system violates the 1987 treaty that actually ended the Cold War. The Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty banned land-based missiles within a range of fewer than 3,400 miles. It's funny because I have a distinct memory of uh, Barack Obama standing in um, the center of Prague, right in the heart of Europe in 2009, pledging himself to make the world free from nuclear weapons. And people cried and cheered and held up teddy bears and I heart juggied beanpole or whatever they said. And uh, all these platitudes were flowing out like a tsunami of goo from the media. And uh, then he got the Nobel Peace Prize because, you see, he's going to make the world safe from the howl. Oh, well. You know, the Obama administration has built more nuclear weapons, more nuclear warheads, more nuclear delivery systems, and even more nuclear factories. Nuclear spending under President Barack Obama, nuclear spending rose higher than under any American president. The cost over 30 years is more than $1 trillion. Hey, but don't think of it as a lot of money. Think of it as only 5% of the national debt. Does that make you feel better? So what lightning strikes from hell might light up this conflict and take down pretty much the entire planet? Well, it could come out of Syria. U.S. and Russia are currently involved in a proxy war in Syria itself, a proxy war between Sunni and Shia Islam, but that's probably a topic for another time. The Obama administration walked out, quit talks over the failed ceasefire in Syria, arguing that Moscow's role in the bombardment of Aleppo effectively ended discussions. Ash Carter, Secretary of Defense, has threatened Russia with consequences. After undermining the ceasefire, the Pentagon, supported by the Joint Chiefs of Staff, is now peddling potential strikes on Syria's Air Force to punish the regime for undermining the ceasefire. See, the regime shouldn't be undermining the ceasefire. That's America's job. So after America undermined the ceasefire, it decided to threaten and punish the regime for undermining the ceasefire. Do you have it? Okay, it's a little circular, I know, but it's okay. The way that we break out of the circle is a nuclear conflagration that pretty much ends the planet. So it, it, it won't go on forever. That's, that's my hope. So um, Major General Igor 
Konoshinkov, Russia's defense ministry spokesman, sent a harsh message to our colleagues in Washington. Do not believe you can get away with launching a shadow hot war against Russia. Russia will target any stealth or unidentified aircraft attacking Syrian government targets and will shoot them down. See, this is one of the challenges with a no-fly zone uh, in Syria. I was tough enough in Iraq and, and other places where there's sort of actual lines where there are troops that are friendly and unfriendly. Um, serious kind of a mishmash. It's a hodgepodge uh, of various forces fighting in various areas. So, and the only thing that's flying pretty much are Syrian military aircraft and Russian military aircraft. So if you're going to enforce a no-fly zone, it probably is going to mean that you're going to end up having to shoot down Russian military aircraft, which, uh, yeah, that seems like a great a great course to end the world on. Um, I'm sure we all are willing to lay down our lives for that. Now, it has been reported that Russia has positioned a battery of S-300s in Syria. They're called uh, S-300VM, also known as Anti-2500. These are specially designed to defend against ballistic and cruise missiles. The system will be stationed near Tartus Harbor to prevent to protect the Syrian east coast, as well as the Russian fleet in the eastern Mediterranean. These are also good against attacking planes. A U.S. volley cruise missile attack on Syrian and Russian airports and air forces. Um, and this has been discussed in various U.S. papers as the start of a no-fly zone war could be severely hampered by this. So they're taking this quite seriously and putting in um, S-300s, uh, VMs, these uh, also known as the Anti-2500, in order to protect themselves against the instigation of a no-fly zone. So, there's that. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't sleep fun. I, I liked it too. So we're getting to the brink. The Russian government has approved amendments to a law that allows it to augment its draft army by signing reservists and veterans to six-month paid contracts. You don't do that when you're facing a giant plateau of peacefulness. Russia has also moved nuclear-capable missiles to Kaliningrad, a region bordering the Baltic states. In May, the former deputy commander of NATO, General Sir Alexander Richard Shirev, warned that a major confrontation between Russia and the West was brewing. U.S. Admiral James Stavridis, former Supreme Allied Commander, Europe, reinforced that view, and I quote, Under President Putin, Russia has charted a dangerous course that, if it is allowed to continue, may lead inexorably to a clash with NATO, and that will mean a war that could so easily go nuclear. In Russia, lawmaker Vladimir Zhirinovsky has warned that if America elects Hillary Clinton president, it's war. And America, of course, is investing in very small-scale nuclear weapons because there's no such thing as a slippery slope, so they're much safer. A document released by the French Ministry of Defense states that on September 22nd, four European countries had to scramble fighter jets to intercept two Russian blackjack bombers. The Russian bombers flew from Norway across the top of Scotland before skirting Ireland's west coast towards France and Spain. Norway, the UK, France and Spain all scrambled fighters to intercept the jets. According to the statement, the two bombers were first detected by Norway, which scrambled two F-16 jets to trail them to the north of Scotland, where they were then intercepted by RAF Typhoon aircraft. French Rafale fighter planes then trailed 
The bombers, after they skirted Ireland's west coast before Spain sent two F-18 jets to intercept the Russian planes north of Bilbao. And uh, that seems exciting. Did you hear about that? No? No? But you know what the Kardashians are up to, though? Hey, did you hear she got robbed? (laughs) Ah, this is the way the world ends. Not with a bang, but with tinsel. Recently, Russia stationed troops only 50 miles from the U.S. border in Alaska. In a recent defense meeting, Sergei Shoigu, the Russian defense minister, admitted that the decision to move troops to the area was actually made in 2015. He also confirmed plans to proceed with the formation of the Coastal Defense Division by 2018, designed to protect the coast from the Arctic in the north to the primary territory in the south. So, um... I guess the Americans are moving their troops closer to Russia, and the Russians are moving their troops closer to America. Maybe they'll all just hug. So, Hillary Clinton. At this point, what does it matter? Well, it matters quite a lot. Of course, she has compared Putin to Hitler. And, as the recent firebombing of a Republican headquarters in America showed, if you keep calling people Hitler and Nazis and fascists and evil at some point... You really don't have any place to negotiate from, and you escalate to violence. Words have consequences, my friends. Um, So, Hillary Clinton has said... Okay, let's go back. So, in 2008, Hillary Clinton threatened to totally obliterate Iran with nuclear weapons. That's millions and millions and millions of people gone in a flash. And all of this is evil enough. The amount of destruction that the U.S. is wreaking in the Middle East and that Western powers have wreaked in the Middle East for the past hundred plus years is truly horrifying. It's abysmal. It's destructive. But you got to have one policy or the other, people. If you invade the world, you can't invite the world. You got to pick one. If you want to invite the world, stop invading it. If you're going to invade the world, stop inviting it. That's just my two cents worth. A Secretary of State under Obama. Hillary Clinton participated in the overthrow of the Democratic government of Honduras. So Hillary Clinton said, You've seen the reports. Russia's hacked into a lot of things. China's hacked into a lot of things. Russia even hacked into the Democratic National Committee. Maybe even some state election systems. So we got to step up our game. Make sure we are well defended. And make sure we are able to take the fight to those who go after us. As president... I will make it clear that the United States will treat cyber attacks just like any other attack. We will be ready with serious political, economic, and military responses. See that? Military responses. A cyber attack is just like any other attack. Let's rewind to Joe Biden saying that they're going to do a, they're contemplating a covert cyber attack on Russia. So Hillary Clinton say, hey, they cyber attacked us, so we got to Hit them back militarily. Well, what do you think is going to happen if you cyber attack them? It's just, I don't know. I can't even enjoy the irony of Hillary Clinton being worried about hacks. I Like, that irony is lost on me. <sighs> Nuclear clouds tend to do that to my sense of uh, postmodernism. Now, Moscow looks at uh, Hillary Clinton and perceives her in general as an existential threat, a threat to the very existence of not just... Russia, which, of course, is important enough to the Russians, but of the sort of balance of the um, post-Second World War world order, at least in in Europe. See, there was a NATO intervention in Libya driven by Hillary Clinton while she was Secretary of State. Now, Russia could have prevented that with its veto in the UN Security Council, but 
Moscow allowed the mission to go forward only because Hillary Clinton promised no take backs, no cross fingers. She promised that a no-fly zone would not be used as a cover for regime change in Libya. See, we're just just humanitarian. All we want to do is let teddy bears through and and baby food and medicine. It's not going to be a regime change. Don't worry about it at all. Now, hey, wouldn't it be great if we had a no-fly zone in Syria? Do, do you believe me? Now, they were even more enraged in, in Moscow by Clinton's videotaped response to the same news, right, this regime change and the news that um, Muammar Gaddafi was dead and uh, he was killed extremely brutally. I mean, sodomized with a knife and you name it in his video of it. So she came, she said, we came, we saw, he died. <laughs> and then she burst into laughter, which sounds even creepier than that. Hey, do you have a new ringtone called Evil? Maybe you do. So um, this giggling about the death of Libya, the most prosperous country in Africa, uh, where things were relatively stable, where terrorists were being deal- dealt with, and where there was a barrier between those wishing to enter Europe, right, economic opportunist migrants, and Europe itself. So uh, the waves upon waves upon waves of Africans, largely Muslims, coming into Europe is not that great for Russia. And Libya stood between that. And Libya said, I mean, the Gaddafi said, he said, look, if you take me out, um, the gates are going to open and uh, the migrants are going to flood into uh, Europe. But um, see, the problem was, funny story, Gaddafi actually uh, was a big fan of Barack Obama in 2008, didn't really support Clinton and didn't pay into the Clinton Foundation. So I guess he should have opened his wallet and kept his mouth shut because things didn't go well for him after that or his entire country or North Africa or Europe and Russia. So, of course, Clinton gives Moscow a kind of a deja vu by saying, oh, humanitarian no-fly zone in the Middle East. Uh, They just don't believe it. They believe it's just another pretext for regime change. And this cements her reputation as a lying, duplicitous warmonger in Russia. And, um, you know, when you follow the evidence, it's kind of tough to blame the Ruskies for having that perspective. So. So Putin has deployed Russia's air force, navy, and special operations forces to eliminate uh, in Syria the anti-Assad insurgents. And uh, many of these anti-Assad insurgents have received U.S. training and equipment. So he is determined to prevent Syrian President Bashar al-Assad from meeting the same fate as Gaddafi because, well, for reasons that I don't think I even need to say. Now, Russian analysts also don't think that Hillary Clinton is exactly a build-your-church-upon-this-rock-solid-stability when it comes to mental health. Her temper became somewhat legendary in Moscow because... Hillary Clinton violently breached diplomatic protocol and basic politeness by storming out of a meeting with Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov just moments after exchanging pleasantries. You know, occasionally you just get that wasp in your brain that just makes you go and do things, fall into vans, uh, cough, and uh, storm out of a meeting just after you said, hey, nice to see you. (laughs) I don't know, maybe they can uh, bring back some holy water and find out if they can drive the demon of her personality from her husky frame. So perceptions of instability about Hillary Clinton were also exacerbated by reports that Hillary Clinton drank heavily while Secretary of State. Now, 
who are Russians to complain about other people drinking heavily? Well, of course, um, Boris Yeltsin made a whole number of disastrous decisions, uh, and a lot of people in the country blame alcoholism for that. So having just or recently gotten out from under the red-eyed, tousle-haired, alcoholic, <laughs> incompetent thumb of Boris Yeltsin, uh, they are sensitive to um, political power combined with alcohol. George Soren. Soren. George Soren. Soren? Soros. Sorry, I always have trouble with that. It's a silent evil. Another factor that disturbs Russian analysts is the fact that Okay, so John McCain uh, was a war hawk and all of that, but at least he was a Republican. See, when you're a Republican and you're a war hawk, you get a bunch of hippy-dippy people who make protests and make your life difficult and camp out and and make all of this noise because, well, they're not anti-war, they're anti-Republican, and so they use the anti-war as a way of being anti-Republican. If you ever want to inform, I guess, the World Wildlife Fund of a very, very quickly extinguished and vanished species, just ask them where all the anti-war protesters went in 2008 when Barack Obama became president. I think you'll find they pretty much vanished immediately because apparently they were selling bongs somewhere down the street. So Clinton is a Democrat. So the general anti-interventionist, anti-war protests, anti-imperialism protests aren't going to be out in full force. And everybody who's not in America is very aware that it's much more dangerous to have a warmongering Democrat in the White House uh, than a um, warmongering Republican because the anti-war lefty-lefty, blah-de-blah-de-blah. You know, hey, interesting fact, you know that um, uh, Barack Obama actually likes to kill most on a Tuesday. You know, that's when he gets his list uh, of drone strikes and approves them and uh, off go the little beetles of disassembling human beings to do their good work across the world. I mean, even the Iran war architect Robert Kagan says that Clinton is just going to pursue a neocon ideological remake the world in the image of imperialism policy by just another name. So it's going to be a continuation of the same disasters that have occurred. Now, Moscow prefers Donald J. Trump. Now, some people say, well, he's just so easily manipulated. That's not true. That's not true. There used to be a world order which has been replaced over the past couple of decades, and particularly since the end of the Cold War. There used to be a world order which said, okay, like, you know, you sit down with a guy to negotiate buying a car, right? It's some car dealership, let's say. Now, you know that the car dealership is not some sort of weird ideologue who thinks that owning cars is evil and he needs to discourage you from owning a car by jacking up the price and making it impossible for you to buy it. You know that he just wants to represent the interests of the car company, and he's going to get as much money as he can out of you, and he knows that you're going to represent your own interests, you're going to try and pay as little as possible, and you're going to meet somewhere in the middle. You both have your own self-interests uh, at stake, uh, that's what you're focusing on, and of course you do want long-term, he wants long-term satisfaction for you as a customer, so you come back and get the car serviced, whatever, right? But it's two people with self-interest sitting down to negotiate, uncluttered by insane progressive ideology. Um, So when Donald Trump says, I'm running for president of America, not president of the world, he's saying, I'm going to put American interests first. Well, Russia and Putin, they completely understand that because they put Russian interests first, which is is unusual for a lot of people in America these days. So Russia wants to return to this classical international law. Governments negotiate based on mutually understood self-interests, untainted by all of this insane ideology. Um, you know, it's like if you've ever sat down to negotiate with a social justice warrior or have a debate with a leftist and they just start screaming racist, sexist, xenophobic, homophobic, Islamophobic, and then and, and they pull the fire alarm and go and report you to the dean. Well, 
um, that that is not a negotiation untainted by ideology, and it becomes impossible. So that, I think, is really, really important to understand. Now, in Clinton, Moscow sees the polar opposite, a progressive ideologue who's going to stubbornly adhere to her moral postures regardless of their consequences. And that is uh, exceedingly dangerous. Uh, You want win-win negotiations, give a little, get a little. Trump is a master negotiator, uncluttered by ideology, and that's who you want negotiating with, say, people who can vaporize your hemisphere. Seems kind of important to me. Now, Clinton also has... um, Let's see. Should we say subjugated brain and soul ownership by now that may be a little strong let's just say she has significant financial ties to george soros a um, somewhat politically interventionist billionaire now george soros's open society foundation are considered to be the foremost threat to russia's internal stability let me say that again shall i the open society foundation this is considered and Clinton's uh, financial ties are considered to be the foremost threat to Russia's internal stability based upon their alleged involvement in Eastern Europe's color revolutions. Russia's security apparatus is, is dead certain that Soros aspires to overthrow Vladimir Putin's government uh, using the same methodology, the same tactics that uh, took out President Viktor Yanukovych in Ukraine. You know, you orchestrate mass protests covertly. Uh, you um, you concealed armed provocateurs, and um, that's how it works. And you know, we've seen milder versions of this, of course, in the riots in in Ferguson and other places. Uh, and you know, you ship people in, uh, you set fire to neighborhoods, you destabilize things, and this is uh, what the Russian security apparatus is afraid of when it comes to Soros. You see. The uh, open borders people don't like nationalist governments, which is uh, when you have a nationalist pro-my-own-people, pro-my-own-country kind of government. Well, the open borders people don't like it because uh, they, I don't know if you know, I'm not even going to go into why they don't like it, um, but it's not good. <laughs> like, how's, how's Europe doing these days? So Jill Stein, I kind of like her. <laughs> I really do. I mean, a lot to be said uh, that's positive, and I really enjoy her critiques. So it's a couple of excerpts from a speech. And look, I'm saying this. I'm going to be completely open in my motives. Jill Stein has no chance of becoming president. So there are a lot of people who are interested in what Jill Stein has to say who might vote somewhere else. And uh, you may want to look at Donald Trump um, unless you enjoy glowing for the next thousand years and being visible from Alpha Centauri. You might want to think about Donald Trump. You might not want to think about Hillary Clinton. And that's pretty much what Jill Stein says. So she has said, It is now Hillary Clinton that wants to start an air war with Russia over Syria by calling for a no-fly zone. We have 2,000 nuclear missiles on hair-trigger alert. They are saying we are closer to a nuclear war than we have ever been. Under Hillary Clinton, we could slide into nuclear war very quickly from her declared policy in Syria. On the issue of war and nuclear weapons, it is actually Hillary's policies which are much scarier than Donald Trump, who does not want to go to war with Russia. He wants to seek modes of working together, which is the route that we need to follow, not to go into confrontation and nuclear war with Russia. So, if you're interested in peace, Donald Trump is the peace candidate. I know it's always so crazy, he's got a finger on the nuclear button. He's not threatened anyone with nuclear war. He's not threatened to wipe out an entire country and region with nuclear weapons, as Hillary Clinton did with Iran. 
The Middle East is a giant government program. It's been sliced and diced uh, to the point where people are spilling over. Tribalism has been jammed together. Incompatible ideologies have been jammed together. And it's a giant mess. And more government intervention is only going to make it worse. You know, when you're in a hole, you got to stop digging. If you've created a mess with more than a century of massive and violent government interventions, hey, how about we stop doing massive and violent government interventions? If we go back a little over 100 years, the ticking time bomb that set off the First World War the greatest disaster in the history of Europe. The First World War destroyed almost all the economic gains made through a century of free market reforms. In the 19th century, um, f- killed 10 million people directly, 20 million people through the Spanish flu afterwards, led to the Great Depression, 13 years of depression, which led to the Second World War, which led to the Cold War. I mean, the First World War was a massive disaster. And the powder keg that set it off was ethno-religious conflicts in the lands formerly ruled by the Ottoman Empire. And this, in the cycle of histories that tend to repeat, is kind of what might be happening again. There are millions of people in the Levant, I mean, in Iraq and Syria in particular, they really hate all of these imposed settlements of their borders. You know, they're they're drawn by imperialist powers almost a century ago, and they served the interests of uh, Britain, France, some overseas Israeli communities and so on, and uh, it is a complete mess. And there have been a lot of interventions in this region just making it worse. Here's a partial list. The Syrian civil war, Iraqi civil war, Turkish-Kurdish conflict, American intervention in Iraq and Syria, Iranian intervention in Iraq, Iranian intervention in Syria, Russian intervention in Syria, Hezbollah campaign in Syria, Yemeni civil war, Libyan civil war, NATO intervention in Libya, Egyptian counterinsurgency, the war on terror, the global Islamic jihad, the U.S.-Russian Middle Eastern proxy war, Arab-Israeli conflict. (sighs) And this is just in this particular region. I don't know. South Sea, sorry, South China Sea territorial dispute, Korean civil war, war in Afghanistan, Russia-Ukrainian border war, combat support in various African countries, occupation of Germany. <sighs> it goes on and on. This uh, The idea that your government in America exists to keep you safe, I don't know. If you've got a police force that is supposed to keep you safe from criminals, I don't think that being giant arms sales to criminal elements is the best way for the police to keep you safe. And America is the biggest arms dealer on the planet and then says, well, you know, the world's kind of dangerous, but got to keep you safe. I don't know. How about you stop arming assholes, people? Just a possibility. So, yeah, Donald Trump is uh, trying to step up and take control. Well, he's never played a role in destroying entire countries and cultures. He's never conducted any airstrikes against largely innocent people in the Middle East. Uh, he's never been blamed, say, for the death of an American ambassador or his staff. He never giggled about murdering Muammar Gaddafi. And um, he wants to end the war in Syria and Iraq. He wants to work with the Russians and the Iranians to defeat ISIS, which a lot of people view as the number one enemy of international peace. Uh, And he wants to start to limit immigration again. You can invade people. You can invite people. You can't do both. So, yeah, Iran and Russia are fighting ISIS. And uh, he's right about that. And um, if you're going to get involved in the region to combat ISIS, you need to work with Iran and Russia. You don't want to talk about nuking Iran. And 
Look, just imagine being on the receiving end of that. Iran, not a nuclear power. And you've got the woman who's running for president saying she's going to destroy your entire country with nuclear weapons. And you wonder why they might be burning the flag? Are you kidding me? <sighs> so Trump wants to end the wars abroad and he wants to start putting America first. He says, we've got a crumbling infrastructure. We've got terrible inner cities, terrible education. We need to reform our healthcare system. We've got enough to do at home without going abroad in search of enemies to destroy, that always creates horrendous blowback. So this is my last thought, and this is specifically directed to maybe the ladies in your life who've made it this far. Thank you. Thank you for watching. You can look at these uh, maps. We can link to one in the notes. Uh, men want Trump, and women want Clinton, in general, right? Men want Donald Trump, and women want Hillary Clinton. Now, men... Ladies, not so much for this. But men, we're very good at reading the signs of war. Why? Because, well, m men are the ones who get drafted and have to go fight it. Despite what Hillary Clinton says, when Hillary Clinton says, women the real victims of war, that would be a big fan. No, it is men who are drafted who have to go and fight these wars. And this is one of the reasons why men are drawn towards Donald Trump. Because if there's going to be a war, it's not going to immediately be a nuclear strike. I hope to God it doesn't escalate to that, but it's not going to start out that way. It's going to start out as a land war where men are going to be plucked out of their families and plucked out of their basements and plucked out of their homes and plucked away from the cuddling of their children and dropped into a giant inferno of disassembling testicles. That is the lot of men who end up in the chainsaw mustard gas horrors of modern war. So men want Donald Trump because men kind of get drafted. Ladies, you have the power to take Donald Trump away from men. You do. You live longer. You vote more. You are the majority of the voting population. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't throw your lot in with the government at the expense of your men. Because you see, here's what's going to happen, ladies. The government is running out of money and fast. When the government runs out of money, you know what you're going to need? You're going to need nice men to take care of you. If you have kids, if you have responsibilities that make it hard for you to work full-time, you're going to need some nice men around you. If they are nuclear shadows somewhere overseas, they won't really be around to help you. And those who remain, who know that you voted for the warmongering candidate who dragged the men off to be disassembled and vaporized in foreign lands, the men who remain will never, ever forgive you. And I will remind them of that. So ladies, you can take Donald Trump away from men, which means giving men to Hillary Clinton to use as exploding pawns in her overseas games of mad battle death chess. You can take Donald Trump away and you can put Hillary Clinton in charge. It will not get you the security that you want because Hillary Clinton is going to destroy the remainder of the U.S. economy, in my opinion, in pursuit of endless wars, in open borders, in importing people who are a net drain on the U.S. economy. There will be no money left for you and there will be no man to take care of you. And that is the future you will face. You like your cats, right? Let's keep them out of the frying pan, shall we? Because there is a choice to continue to meddle overseas, to invade all, to invite all, which is currently destroying the West completely, 
you can continue as America bombing seven countries, destabilizing even more, selling arms all around the world in the hopes that if you pile enough weapons into unknown allies and foes, somehow peace will magically occur. Or Americans and America, you can come home. You can be at peace. You can raise the drawbridge and tend to your own wounds, your own wounded infrastructure, your own wounded citizenry, your own ignorance, people. You can bring them wisdom, knowledge, resources, opportunities. You can be at peace, finally, within your own secure borders with largely peaceful neighbors to the north and south, massive oceans to the east and west. You have the splendid isolation of possible peace. Come home. Raise the drawbridge. Be at peace. It's time. <laughs>